Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues. And I have conversations with foreign policy thought leaders who discuss their life, career, and the big events that shape their worldview. The worm wars are upon us. Decades from now, our children will ask us, which side were you on during the 2015 worm wars? Okay, not exactly, but the worm wars are still a totally fascinating debate in academic circles that offers key insights into the role of research in influencing international development and global health agendas. Here's the deal. Worm wars is shorthand for an ongoing scientific debate about the efficacy of deworming programs, that is, programs supported by governments and nonprofits to stop the transmission of parasitic worms. The debate has become exceedingly heated in recent weeks after new research called into question old research about a key claim that deworming programs increased school attendance. This discourse, as academics are fond of saying, gets very complicated very quickly. And here to help me make sense of it all and explain its larger relevance to international development and world affairs is my old pal Tom Murphy. Tom is a correspondent for the website Humanosphere and also the co-founder, along with me, of Dawn's Digest. This is a news clip service that Tom and I started a few years ago as a social enterprise. Basically, we send out a hand-picked collection of the top global humanitarian news every morning to anyone who wants to receive it for free. And we also support journalists around the world with grants and other kinds of help to tell important stories that deserve wider attention. And to that end, I am so proud to announce that just this week we published our second Kindle single ebook. Daughters of the Red Light, Coming of Age in Mumbai's Brothels by Shanur Sirvai is a short narrative nonfiction story about the lives of women and girls caught up in India's notorious sex industry. The story is heavy at times and offers some insight into the policy implications of criminalizing sex work, but even in the grittiest alleyways, Shanur finds stories of hope and resilience. It's deeply reported and gracefully written, and I am so, so proud to serve as the publisher of this book. Shanur is definitely a rising star, and I love that we were able to support the reporting, editing, and publication of this excellent long-form piece, basically the length of a long magazine article. It's available for just $1.99 to purchase and free if you have an Amazon Prime account. I'll post a link to this on globaldispatchespodcast.com. And also to Don's Digest, where you can sign up for our free news clip service. Okay, now here is my conversation with Tom Murphy about the Worm Wars. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, Okay, so, Tom, who fired the first volley in the Worm Wars? (laughs) The first volley came uh, about three years ago. The Cochrane Initiative, who is 
based out of the UK and, and there's this group that does these meta-analyses of various health-related things. So they're taking all the available research out on a topic and distilling it to see, okay, does all this research show something is actually happening? And they did that for deworming. And according to them, the research available all pointed towards basically no effect. So if you... The idea being that if, if you give people this deworming medicine uh, in advance, that it provides protection so much so that it improves schooling and health and, and all these other areas. They basically said it doesn't do it. It's great for killing off worms if you got them, but it's not so great for protecting people. And so that that kind of caused a, a bit of a back and forth between various researchers and also groups that are, are pretty well invested in the spread of deworming medicines so that people are, are actually protected. So maybe, and, maybe we'll take just a step back here and talk about the, the, the health issue at the center of the worm wars, which are parasitic worms. Um, mm-hmm. What, what exactly are they? What do they do? And like, who do they affect? So, so you have two main groups of, of worms. So you have these soil transmitted helminths, and then you have stuff that's that's spread through water. I mean, most right now it's it's uh, schistomyosis. These are these are big problems. It, it it a lot of it boils down to sanitation and hygiene. These are the kinds of things that um, with schistomyosis, it's as simple as just going into water, going into like a still pond that would then infect you. And with the soil transmitted worms, it's poor care of food. Um, poor hygiene, you know, not washing your hands after eating, uh, not uh, properly having having proper sanitation, all these things contaminating the food you eat. Uh, they give you a, a pretty nasty infection. These things uh, grow inside your body and, and then uh, eventually exit in a rather uh, pain not really painful as much as just very very surprising through like a lesion probably uh usually it's it's through um defecation a bunch Mm -hmm. will come through and and you know and so it's it's um you know this is the thing that that you know it makes people very very sick and probably affects like the rural poor the most yeah yeah i mean because because of these these issues of of um sanitation and hygiene and you know open spaces and, and so, you know, the, the effects of, of any illness, right, is that then you have, like, lower productivity, you have people who aren't going to work, you have students who are out of school, and, and those cascading problems that, that build on each other. And so, in the late 1990s, there was this landmark study uh, looking at deworming uh, programs. What, what did the study find, and what did it say? So... Uh, Ted Miguel and Michael Kramer, Ted Miguel from uh, is, both are economists, did research in, in Western Kenya. And, and what they were testing is to see if you give this deworming medication twice a year, you know, what protection does it provide for students and, and how does it, um, you know, what impacts might that have on them? And what they found, which is which is why this is so such an important study is that it, it significantly improved attendance among students in, in the schools that got the deworming medication as opposed to the students who did not get it. And so, you know, when, when comparing this against other ways to get kids to stay in school, 
this is phenomenally cheap. I mean, this is this is one of the best ways to get kids into into the classroom, uh, and and so that kind of that did provide this foundation. Okay, you know, for for just uh, you know a few dollars or for less than that, really, you can have uh, student attendance improve across the country. And and so I mean, that's kind of like remarkable because you know they're looking at deworming, but they have this other ancillary benefit, which is school attendance. Right. And, and so then, then you think about, you know, that, then it falls into this kind of category of, uh, you know, of, of quick solutions, which, um, I mean, I, you know, I think as we'll talk about later is you know, that, that is, is the trap here, not the trap, but that's, that's the challenge, right? Is that this is so, um, this impact is so great for such a little cost and for something so simple, it's just, you know, a tiny pill, uh, and, and easy to get around a country and easy to distribute. Um, you know, it, it, it sounds, it's wonderful. It's, 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 these are the things that, that you hope to be able to find. To and make it's going to be so alluring better. for donors too. like pay for one pill and you beat the worm and the kid gets to stay in school. And not only that, but there's actually evidence that it does it right. I mean, you here, here's this world where everything is so fuzzy here. You know, a group will say, here's our theory of a change. And it's based on on this. So let's say you know kids are are you know education is great for children, and if we do X, Y, and Z, then it can improve their education. I mean, here was something that comes in and says, concretely, kids will be in school if you give them this medicine. It, it it's a very very attractive uh, you know thing to to have discovered. Um, okay, so it sounds great, but what happened? What how did this study fall apart, or did it? The stu- yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's fallen apart. I th- so, so what happened was that uh, a few years ago, these a group of researchers with the London School of uh, Health and Tropical Medicine decided to run a reanalysis, and basically, that's just a taking all of the the data from from the study uh, independently and running it through various tests, and also just replicating the way that it was done in the first place to see if the results are the same. Um, and, th- and that's because with, within, within economics, within health, you know, th- there are, are certain decisions that have to be made as to the formulas and, and the way that this data that's collected, you know, if a student is sick, if they're not sick, how that then is put together into a cohesive way to determine what is the actual effect. And so this reanalysis, which uh, was which first came out late last year in a in a working paper style, it was supported by a uh, a replication group called Three IE, uh, showed that, or the authors said that the the results have some serious questions, and and in, according to their reanalysis, there really wasn't that much of an effect on the students. And so for a study where this is, is saying giving deworming medications and improve attendance to then have a reanalysis saying not so much, that's a pretty big deal when you think about in that time period, you know, various groups have really built themselves up. Uh, national campaigns have begun to, to roll out this intervention that, that might not even be that effective. But I take it not everyone necessarily agreed with the reanalysis. 
No. And, and so, I mean, the, the, the first, the first kind of, uh, response or the, the first person out of the gate was, um, Burke Osler from the world bank. He's a, he's a researcher over there and, and he penned a blog post, uh, earlier this year, which went through some of his major concerns with the study. Um, one of which is this, is that the, the authors in the reanalysis, so to, to kind of track back to the original study, the way this study was rolled out is that there were three different groups. Group one was given the, the deworming medication first. And then, uh, I remember off the top of my head, I, I want to say it was about a year later, group two then got the medicine, and group three didn't get it until much later. Um, and so this was... It's, it's a way to be able to provide as much comparison as possible on both sides, students with it and students without it. And also from the ethical standpoint of, you know, you, you want to be able to give kids this opportunity to be healthy. And so you, you recognize that withholding this can actually, um, you know, cause some level of harm. So by rolling it out, it, it gives this, this opportunity while getting that comparison of people with it, people without it. What the, the reanalysis did two things with that. One is that it decided that group one and group two were two separate experiments instead of all being in the mm -hmm. same one. So it separated them out. So group one versus group three and group two versus group three, as opposed to all of them together. What that did was kind of weaken the power of the results and show that, uh, that reduce that kind of impact and efficacy. So Osler... And, and as well as the original authors of this paper argue that, that that's incorrect, that that uh, is, is a misapplication of, of the study. It's, it's, not what, it's not what you're supposed to do. Uh, there, there seems to be kind of this disagreement over methods. Mm -hmm. um, and and there, you have epidemiologists who are doing this reanalysis and economists who did this original study. And you know, within disciplines and scientific disciplines, the, the ways that things are done are, do not necessarily always jive with each other. That's interesting. So, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, what you're describing gets like very technical very, yeah. very quickly, mm -hmm. yet it's animated like a huge uh, portion of people who think about international development and people who follow international development. I mean, the reason we're having this conversation right now is because a listener just asked me to, to talk about worm wars. I mean, beyond like the, the alliteration worm wars, why do you <laughs> think this has captured the you know popular attention of, of journalists and of just people interested, even vaguely interested in international development? There are a lot of things going on at once. First and foremost is the way that this all came out. And so after that original paper was published, then it was published officially um, this, uh, this past month in, uh, you know, as, as, a, uh, as an actual uh, refereed study. And, but there are only two articles that came out very quickly. One was by Ben Goldacre for BuzzFeed, and another was by Sarah Bosley from The Guardian. Both of which discussed the the fact that this reanalysis overturned what was originally found in in the study. Missing from both those stories was the opinions of the original authors, and so published alongside the reanalysis was a response from 
the original authors and actually another response back from the people that did the reanalysis. And, and the authors actually put plenty of things out there about their, uh, their unhappiness with the way that the reanalysis was done and their disagreement with it. And so the initial spark was a bit of anger because people who, who were intimately involved with this were essentially shut out of the, uh, the reporting that was done right away. Um, and that, and I, and I would say, I mean, from my side that it, I think is in part due to the fact that the, the major information came from the London school of tropical health and medicine. And the information that they provided was as if this is an uncontroversial finding. So I think that for anyone who, who would have, who would have not seen any of this prior going on would just say, okay, here's the problem. You know, it's no, it's not a big deal. In fact, it was a pretty big deal. And so you have this this aspect of people getting blindsided, and and you know this is like the the baby of of um, Ted Miguel and Michael Kramer. I mean, this is something that they did almost uh, twenty years ago, and it's it's one of the most impactful things they've ever done. I think that you know anytime that anyone has something challenged that that they've done that they think is is really important um, leads to very strong feelings. And so then the, the next side of it is, is which I was alluding to before is, is that now you have all these interests that are really deep with the, with the idea of deworming being a, a very impactful and important solution. Um, one of the groups is deworm the world, which is out of, uh, evidence action, an NGO that, uh, that uses these randomized control trials to actually implement solutions they're you know they're helping lead like Kenya and India and the Philippines to do these nationwide or massive campaigns. Uh, the very challenge to this is you know I mean shakes the foundation mm-hmm. upon which they sat and 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 that's the further point right is that these this then really kind of raises questions about randomized control trials being used within the development sector and 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 that is already a highly debated issue. So any of people who who already have that uh, on their mind, you know, swooping in and saying, "Aha, this is this shows that it doesn't work," and the ones defending saying, "You're wrong," and here's why, and and so it, there's just a lot of very strong feelings about this because it, it's there's different levels of it being personal for for everyone involved. Um, so I'm I'm curious, maybe to wrap up, what what you think that this. Um, controversy, I hate to use the word controversy, but this incident, this this debate says about the state of international development and research into, into international development. I mean, you talked about randomized controlled trials, and those have been like all the rage over the last 10, 15 years, right? Or even, even less than yeah. that. Um, the idea that you apply principles of the, the hard sciences to the mm-hmm. social science of the economics of international development. Um, what, I, I guess, you know, what, what does this say about the state of that debate? And going forward, what does what's happening now um, say about international development writ large? It says, I mean, it says a few things. I think the, the first two is, uh, first and foremost for me is this, is the fact that, that it's, this is a very, uh, this is a very big ship that's hard to turn. Um, you know, to use like a to use a metaphor, I mean, it's it's almost kind of like the Titanic grazing against a, the iceberg. Uh, and and I don't I don't know if we've if they've an iceberg has been hit in this case or not, 
but there's certainly not, not an ability to really make massive changes quickly. It's it's taken quite a few years for randomized control trials to really grow and gain legitimacy within this field, uh, and and it's very hard for things to fall out of favor. You know, I I, I use um, it, it really took a you know the massive crisis in 2010 in India to really slow down the growth. Uh, of microfinance. But the fact of the matter is microfinance is still around. Despite the challenges that it had in India, despite growing evidence that that the uh, the effects and the impacts are being overblown. So, you know, once the momentum builds, it's really hard to make change. And I, I think that with this, what we're going to see is you know, there's still going to be some debating. There's still going to be some discussions on the side. There might be another paper that might, you know, spark a whole other worm wars. But Deworm the World, the Schistomiasis Control Initiative, and other groups who who are really you know doing these interventions, getting kids deworming medications, are going to continue. They're going to keep growing and they're going to get pace. It might not be as big you know in terms of name as it once was, but but these things kind of keep going. So it's really I think an, an important inflection point or, or very instructive about how hard it is. To make change, and again, I, I don't say that in with regards to that this should, you know, be the end of deworming. I, I think that there's still a lot of questions to be answered, but it it does just show how hard it is to to make change with it because this is something that actually has scientific discussion. And as I said in the beginning, there's so much that's done that's done without a lot of proof, without a lot of impact, without a lot of evidence. And so having those discussions are even harder. Than, than having this one, and so it, it really um, it really shows that how how much room there is to go in terms of growth and, and making this a, a better industry at, at doing what it says it's supposed to do. All right, Tom, thank you. That was helpful. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I knew you'd be the right guy to talk to about this. <laughs> Glad to help. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Tom. And thank you again for checking out Daughters of the Red Light, available on Amazon for $1.99. Go to dawnsdigest.com to check that out. That's D-A-W-N-S digest.com. I'll also post a link to it on globaldispatchespodcast.com. All right. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye.